What's up, guys, and welcome to MCS Podcast number 308. If you're wondering why you're hearing me, Buck Green, again this week instead of Jeff Anderson, that's because Jeff has been called away, this time not on business and not for work with Operation Save Our Soldiers, the charity that we do work with, but because he moved. Uh, Modern Combat and Survival's headquarters has moved from Texas all the way to Florida, and because Jeff never does anything halfway, uh, he managed to do all this in what I think was about a week's time. So right now he's reassembling his studio, and he'll be back next week to tell you about some exciting things that we've got going here that are going to have major implications for the future of this broadcast and for what we do. Until then, though, you've got me, Buck Green, sitting in for Jeff Anderson again this week, and we're going to talk about what Bruce Lee called the art of fighting without fighting. Before I go any further, you can download a handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet for this week's episode at mcsmagazine.com slash 308. That's mcsmagazine.com slash 308. All right, are you ready? Then let's talk de-escalation techniques. Tactical firearms training. Urban survival. Close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. All right, we're back. If you're a martial arts nerd like I am, then you've probably seen the Bruce Lee movie in which a guy challenges Bruce Lee to fight, and Bruce, who is much, much too wise to be drawn into an ego conflict aboard the boat that he's traveling on, convinces the other guy to get into a rowboat so they can row over to a small island and fight on the beach. When the guy gets in the rowboat, Bruce just lets the tether go, unspools a goodly length of it, and then ties it off again. So now this guy who wanted to fight him is safely isolated in a rowboat being pulled behind the big boat. Uh, He calls it the art of fighting without fighting, and it makes sense. If you can conquer your ego, if you can find a way to avoid a conflict, that's usually the best way. The problem is... Most of us want to win. We let our egos get in the way. We don't want other people to be able to make us feel like we're less than they are. We don't want to feel like we've been backed down. I once saw an almost fight in a parking lot. This this actually happened. I was there. It was a parking lot of a grocery store. It was summer. I was sitting there with my windows down. I had provided a ride for someone to the grocery store, and I was just waiting for them to do their shopping. So I'm sitting there, and I see these two guys... One guy drove too close to another in his pickup truck in the parking lot. So guy who was nearly hit got mad and slapped the side of the truck really loud. Well, the guy who was driving the truck didn't like that. So he slams on the brakes, throws it in park, gets out of the truck and gets up and gets in this guy's face. The two of them start yelling at each other. You have never seen two people who didn't want to fight more. Neither one of them wanted to throw the first punch. But both of them wanted the other guy to back down. And so they kept escalating. They kept getting more and more loud, more and more angry. This is how fights happen. And usually there are no winners in a situation like that. Somebody ends up hurt. The other guy goes to jail. Maybe they both go to jail. It's just a losing game. So if you could find a way to de-escalate a conflict like that, then you're much better off as a human being. Because, look, at the end of the day, you just want to go home, right? If you're out and about and you get into a conflict with somebody, you just want to go home. You didn't want to fight them. I mean, unless you're some kind of psycho who goes around picking fights with strangers, and yeah, I guess they're out there. Uh, it's 
Always for the best to avoid a fight if you can. De-escalation tips, then, are what Bruce Lee would have called the art of fighting without fighting. Avoiding a conflict so that nobody gets into a fight, nobody gets hurt, nobody goes to jail, everybody wins. And yeah, sometimes this means letting the other guy feel like he quote-unquote won. But unless you have a, a really bad insecurity problem, what does that cost you? To just let that guy feel like he won. Be the more ninja person here. Outsmart the other guy. You know, uh, this is th this art of fighting without fighting, that's not Bruce Lee. He didn't invent that. It goes back to Sun Tzu and probably earlier than that. So I always, when I think of de-escalation, I think of a story that we actually told in an email not that long ago. We got an email from a reader of Modern Combat and Survival who also bought one of our Guardian machetes. And he was talking about the fact that he carries that machete in his car for self-defense. And he was driving one day and he got into it with another driver. This has happened to all of us. We've all done it. I actually did a podcast on road rage about this very thing. He was speeding. Another guy was speeding. And somehow these two guys ended up racing. I don't know what happened. I don't know who did what to who, but they're they're both they're both going faster and faster. Finally, the guy who wrote, you know, we'll call him our guy, the MCS guy. He won the race, <laughs> so he gets off the highway, pulls into a parking lot at whatever his destination was, only to realize, uh oh, the guy I was racing with is following me. So in his email, he describes, you know, he, he drove to a back of another parking lot thinking maybe it's coincidence, maybe he's just going to the same store. Nope, this guy was following him. This guy was following him because he was angry and spoiling for a fight. Uh, and, and our guy's like, uh, he says to us, well, you know, I really didn't want to go to the machete. I knew I had it. I knew I could. I knew it was a powerful weapon. I mean, you pull out a machete after a road rage incident that you help contribute to, there's a really good chance you're going to jail, uh, and there's a really good chance that when the trial happens, you're not going to win. So that's a losing battle. And he understood that. And he did what I thought was the most brilliant thing that I've heard when it comes to de-escalation. It's very clever. Um, he rolls down his window. The other guy pulls up next to him. You know how cops sometimes will pull up uh, driver window to driver window? These guys did the same thing. And uh, he said he could see the other guy was really mad. And just on a spur of the moment, he throws him a huge thumbs up and a big grin, and he says, wow, man, that was a great race. And the other guy said, and I quote, what? He's like, that was a great race. You did really well. You really kicked my butt there, man. And <laughs> he said the other guy looked at him and said, you, you didn't want to fight? And, and, and our guy said, no. Like that was the most ridiculous thing he'd ever heard. Why would anyone think that? And the other driver just looked confused and not knowing what else to do, drove away. And I think that's absolutely brilliant because here you've got a guy who's spoiling for a fight and you short circuit him by basically refusing to play, but also by reframing what happened. We weren't road raging. We weren't fighting. We were racing. We're two guys who like speed. If you can make somebody else believe that you're on their side or you reframe the argument, you redirect it, especially if you can make them feel like they won, then you have avoided the fight. And yeah, I mean, that means conquering your ego and not, you know, not allowing the other guy to think that he's won, but it doesn't cost you a thing. He goes away, you count yourself lucky, and then you have a fun story to tell your friends. So I thought that was really cool, and I liked the way he made the other guy feel like he won, make, made it seem like they were both on the same side, which is the key to defusing that kind of situation. So number one would be redirecting for the win. 
my second de-escalation technique is what we'll call befuddle them with BS. There's an old saying, if you can't, uh, what is it, if you can't blind them with brilliance, befuddle them with BS or something like that. It was something my father used to say. Um, this is a tip that comes to us from a teacher friend of mine who is a principal at a school. And these are, I want to say they're like junior high to high school age students. They're they're old enough to be dangerous, but young enough that it's not usually a jail level offense when they get into a fight. And he said that his go-to technique, because this guy's not a martial arts guy, he's not a self-defense guy, no training of any kind in that regard. He says that when he encounters a fight in the hallway, because that happens, we've, we all used to see it when we were in school, um, he will walk up to the people fighting and as loud as he can so that they can't not hear him, he will shout, who's winning? And usually, the idea that a teacher has come up not to yell at them, not to tell them to stop, but to ask them who's winning the fight is enough to kind of confuse them and short-circuit them. If you can confuse somebody into thinking, like, instead of focusing on what they were mad about, suddenly now they're thinking, what? Then you have a good shot at de-escalating that situation. And a lot will depend on what you do next. But that's a good way to break the cycle of two guys yelling at each other, two people getting into a fight. Um, if one person confuses the other, sometimes that's enough. And, and then you forget, like, what was I fighting about? And it reminded me a lot of the first incident that I described where the guy was like, wait, what? You, you didn't want to fight me? So I think these are closely related, but we will call them two separate tips. The, the befuddle them with BS, just confusing them so that their brain goes off in another direction. All right, uh, number three, uh, our third tip would be what we call the strong silent type. And that is just simply the silent treatment. Uh, it usually takes two people to fight. If you refuse to get into it with somebody and you just give them nothing to work with, then we're not fighting. Uh, I saw a video clip recently, one of those viral uh, assault videos, I guess you'd call it. These are floating around the internet all the time and they are a guilty pleasure for me seeing how people actually get into fights. And I watched it with the sound off on purpose. You've got two guys sitting on seats on, it's either the bus or the subway, probably the subway. And the one guy looks a little uncomfortable like the other guy is taking up too much room. So this first guy is the smaller guy. Smaller guy gets up and starts reaching into his pockets for something. I was told, I didn't see it myself on the video, I was told that he was reaching for a pair of scissors or something. And, you know, in, in New York, people get stabbed with a variety of interesting objects, and this looked like it might have been the New York subway or could have been the subway of any major city. Uh, every subway seems to be like some place where bad things happen. Something about cramming people into a moving tube does nothing for their dispositions. So uh, they exchanged words, and then the bigger guy just got up and punched the other guy so hard in the head that I think he knocked him unconscious. He goes down bleeding and bleeds all over the arm of a third guy who was just sitting there. You can see the third guy get up and sort of shake his hand like, oh man, you got this dude all over me, <laughs> which is really gross. Uh, but I, I thought about that and how if there are no words exchanged and that guy never gets up, there's no fight. The other guy didn't look like he was looking to have a fight with anyone before all this happened, the big guy who, who essentially won. So it makes me think that in a lot of cases, if you just keep your mouth shut, if you just refuse the urge to engage, you give the other person nothing to work with, this is not always going to work. There are going to be times when not responding is going to make somebody angry, 
They're going to take your silent treatment as an insult, and it'll escalate from there. And there are times when somebody is so angry, it doesn't matter what you say to them. I got into an argument with a guy that I wasn't even having a fight with. It was summertime. It was late at night. It was like 2 in the morning. My windows were open, and I hear a guy shouting in the parking lot, just screaming profanities at the top of his lungs. So I went out there to see what was going on, because I was young and stupid. I was in my 20s when this happened. I go out there, and there's a guy whose car has been broken into, and it's a Lexus, and the televisions in his headrests have been torn out. Now, this was not an opulent apartment complex by any stretch. You know, I was living there because I could afford it. What this guy was doing there with this Lexus with televisions and the headrests of the, in the back of the driver and passenger seats, I don't know. But he was clearly very upset that somebody broke in and took them. And when I asked him what was going on, he got mad at me for asking him. And then it was like that scene in, I think it's Goodfellas, where Joe Pesci gets mad and anything you say to him makes him even angrier and he ends up killing somebody. It's like, like no, no, man, I was just joking. What, am I a clown? I'm a clown for your amusement? And it just gets worse from there. Well, I felt like I was living that scene out when I talked to him because no matter what I said, no matter how calm I tried to be, no matter how I tried to say, no, no, man, I, I'm not trying to start anything, he just got madder and madder. And that kept going, and I started to get worried I was about to get attacked. And then the police rolled up, and everything changed. I also discovered that night that when the police don't know you're not one of the bad guys, they are not nice to you. Those guys were uh, pretty nasty to me in, in terms of how they spoke to me until they realized I was the person who had uh, uh, called the police. Or at least, I can't remember if I called or if neighbors called, but when they determined I was not part of the problem, they're like, why don't you go inside? We're, we're good without you here. So that was interesting, too. But on the whole, if you just keep your mouth shut, you're going to be better off than if you're running your mouth, than if you're engaging with people. A lot of the times, the people who want to get into fights are crazy people, and crazy people get wound up. So just leave them be. Don't talk to them. It's not always going to work. Like I said, sometimes the silent treatment can set people off. But mostly, you'll be better off. All right, so number four is what I would call look over there. And it's really not, I'm not saying, hey, look, there's Elvis. And you wait for the other guy to turn around, then you hit him. That's an old joke. Um, but this is something that's great for when you're moving through crowds, when you're walking down the street, especially if you're walking through a bad neighborhood and you'd rather not be there. You know, when you're, you're out somewhere and suddenly you realize that, oh, look, there's a price right. And oh, look, there are bars on those windows. And oh, look, there's a rent-a-center. Now you're saying, Buck, what are you talking about? I have noticed that certain businesses seem to target uh, poor neighborhoods where there is more crime. So, and, and I'm not saying that the businesses are like, we need a place with crime. I'm saying they target poor neighborhoods because they know that's where their audiences are. And I, I, I have been to Price Right. I've shopped at Price Right. I don't understand the association, but there's a couple of exceptions. There's one that's in a shopping mall plaza that I go to sometimes. But for whatever reason, I usually, when I see one of these stores, it's not long before I see a rent-a-center, uh, which is one of those rent-to-own places where you pay $10 a week and you can get a very nice $700 television for a total of $2,000. <laughs> and uh, when you see bars on the windows of the stores, that's something you don't see in better neighborhoods and it's usually an indica indicator of crime. And then the clincher is you walk into a, a gas station or a convenience store and there's a pane of bulletproof glass between you and the clerk. That's how you know you're in a bad neighborhood, and there's a lot of crime and violence there. Um, I actually was noticing these signs one time, and I look down on the ground, and I see candles and teddy bears and flowers. And I'm like, what on earth? 
And then I realized I was standing in a plaza where a young man was shot to death for his sneakers. And I thought, wow, this is a bad neighborhood. And there's the proof. So when you're in a place like that, especially, and this works anywhere, but if you're somewhere and you're worried about your safety, even making eye contact with someone can cause problems. They'll look at you and go, what are you looking at? And then, well, we're off to the races. If you find yourself in danger or you're uncomfortable, you're just not sure of the people around you, then you can use this trick, which is to fix your gaze over the shoulders of the people that are walking past you as if you're looking at something intently that is beyond them, behind them, something off in the middle distance, to use a movie joke. You're staring at something off in the distance, and, and it sort of worries you, and it sort of has you focused, and you're very determined to get there and deal with whatever it is. Um, this was kind of a joke in the old Seinfeld TV series where George realizes that if he just looks like he's really, really upset whenever he's walking through the hall, people leave him alone because they assume he's focused on work. So keep in mind that uh, if you can make it look like you're very intently focused on something else, this is better than looking oblivious. It's better than looking helpless because people will target you for that. And sometimes it can help discourage people from coming at you because we have this weird thing as human beings where we want to avoid other people dealing with problems. We don't want any part of that. It's like, oh, that guy's dealing with something. I don't want to get mixed up in that. I don't know what it could be. It could be something dangerous to me. I want no part of it. So is it foolproof? No. But the technique is great for when you're moving through an area and you want to make it look like, no, no, I'm not looking at you. I'm not looking at anybody else. I'm not looking for any trouble. I have an issue that is that away and I need to get there and deal with it. And it's probably annoying and you probably don't want any part of it. So that is a technique you can use for when you're on the move. That is sort of a, sort of a mobile de-escalation technique. And then finally, uh, de-escalation technique number five, I realize this is something of a cop-out, but it's also the most important one, which is why I've reserved it for number five. And that is, don't be there. We are so tempted to let our egos determine what we do and who we interact with and how we approach a situation. We don't want to feel like we've lost an exchange. We don't want to feel like we've lost face. We don't want to feel like somebody has backed us down. That tends to make us go places and do things that we could classify as risky or stupid. If you want to avoid conflicts, the single best way to avoid them is not to be there for them. So if you know that you're about to get into it with somebody or, you know, a tense word is exchanged or somebody you've had problems with in the past happens to be somewhere, it's a very human reaction to go, well, I'm not going to let them tell me how to live my life. I'm not going anywhere. If they got a problem with me, then I guess we'll just have a problem. Well, no, just leave. Just avoid the problem. You can de-escalate any potential conflict by not having it because you weren't there. It's very hard to have a fight with somebody who isn't there for it. It reminds me of when uh, Joaquin Phoenix was doing that weird performance art thing where he was pretending to give up acting and uh, become a rapper or something. And he went on the David Letterman show and Letterman looked at him at the end of their interview, which was awkward and weird. And Letterman's not the best interviewer anyway. So Joaquin Phoenix was just kind of off in space for the interview. And at the end, Letterman looked at him and goes, well, I'm sorry you couldn't be here with us tonight. So I always remember that line when I think about avoiding conflict. I'm sorry I couldn't be here with you tonight, uh, but I'm not going to be. We're not having a fight because I won't be there. That's one of the reasons uh, the podcast that we did where we talked about Mark and Patricia McCloskey, uh, who faced down that mob with their AR-15 and their pistol in St. Louis. If they had stayed inside, that's the equivalent of not being there. You're de-escalating a conflict by not being there. You're armed. 
you're undercover, you're behind concealment. If they start to attack your house, you can take more direct action. But until they target you, well, to do that, they have to see you. And if they can't see you, they can't target you. You're not there. So avoidance sometimes is absolutely the best way to de-escalate a conflict. That is the essence of fighting without fighting. And I think Bruce Lee would approve. All right, that's going to do it. Jeff Anderson will be back next week. And believe you me, you are going to want to hear what he has to say because exciting things are coming for this broadcast and for what we do here. Until next time, this is Buck Anderson sitting in for... Buck Anderson, listen to me. I'm part of the family now. No, until next time, this is Buck Green sitting in for Jeff Anderson and saying, prepare, train, and survive. Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.